What's going on guys? Welcome back to Pure Evil. Oh, man, I'm so happy to be back here. Brand new week, fresh start here. 2019 has been such an amazing year so far. I'm so excited for everything that's been going on. Let me just close this out so it's not repeating on my phone for our current guest here. And our current guest, man, I ran into him at CES last weekend out in Hartford. And let me tell you really quick, with all the superstars here, not superstars, but all the big names here between Nick Newell, uh, Matt Bassett, even John Gotti the third building, such a big name here on the East Coast, CES put on a great event. And I ran into Sergio De Silva and I knew exactly who he was. And a matter of fact, let me just catch you guys up really quick. Our, our special guest today is Sergio De Silva. And you guys may remember him from, you know, Bellator. You may remember him from headlines being on the fight on the kid. But let me tell you something. I ran into him because I was at CES. I got the press pass. I was trying to catch John Gotti the third walkout. Sergio was right there. And I knew exactly why he was right there. And for all the you know new casual fans that may not have their ear to the train tracks of what's going on in the underground world of MMA, well, Sergio De Silva has one hell of a story and he's here to share it with everybody because it's very hard to find positive headlines this day and age inside mixed martial arts inside any sport at all so sergio is here to clear up the air of everything that's going on catch everybody up with what's been going on with them so sergio first off what's going on boss how, how you been doing it's a, it's an amazing year it was a nice day out uh how, how's your 2019 been so far uh, what's going on eddie how are you first and foremost man thank you for having me um you know it's a it's an honor i appreciate you taking the time I know you put a lot of work in um, before we even get into details of that, talking about CES. And, um, you know, what struck out to me the most, and I'm not saying this because I'm on your show right now, is you had all your gadgets, you're running in and out, you're making sure you're filming the guys coming out from the first fight of the night to the last fight of the night. And um, a guy who's been in the sport for, I've been almost a decade now, and to see people who actually put in the work like you do, I'm not saying this because I'm on your show, but uh, I really appreciate that. So I just want people to know that, you know, I'm always going to support a show like yours. So uh, great job you're doing, man. That, that means a lot, man, because you, you know how it is. We've seen so many people over the years, just in the media world, even fighters, like you can relate to this, even fighters, like they'll be there for a couple years, they can have a name building for them, and then they just fade out. You gotta stay consistent, you gotta get better, you gotta be passionate about whether it's fighting or anything that you're doing this day and age, because you know even social media comes into play with all of it. And I wake up, man, I have, let me be real, since this is gonna be a real interview, I've been a few years clean, going on almost uh, three, four years clean off of opiates. And the opiate epidemic here on the East Coast has been awful in the early 2000s going into the 2010 era. And I've been clean, man, and I've been waking up every morning for the past four years now alive and just so happy. I don't wake up in a panic. I wake up excited about what the day's going to bring. And you know what? Mixed martial arts have saved my life. Going to these events, seeing these fighters go through their battles, trying to make their names big or go through battles like you're going through, man. It's so inspiring and that's why I, I, I live for this. And a lot of people out there may not know this, but Pure Evil MMA does not stand for I'm Pure Evil. I'm not a bad guy. My name is Eddie Vileko, so it's E for Edward, V-I-L for Vileko, so evil. Pure, I'm giving you guys my pure reaction. I want the pure take on everything going on in the MMA scene, which is why I needed to have you on the show because everything going on with you it's so pure it's so real and it's in a, an inspiring story for so many people out there so 
let's not waste any time here, man. I, I'm sure there's so many people scratching out the bit, screaming at the radio right now inside their car, whether at their gym or on their way to work right now. Listen to this. What happened, man? What Bring us through what happened with everything that went down with you and the whole charges that were brought against you. Um, yeah, first of all, um, I'm not going to just skip over what you said because I think that was something very important. And I just want you to know, man, that, you know, even though you and I may not know each other for a long time, I just want you to know I'm proud of you, man, about the opiate thing. So I don't know how much you or people who follow me know, but my best friend is uh, actually Jared Gordon, who's in the U.S. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, the reason why I fight MMA is because of Jared. People who know and follow me know my story. I've known Jared for like 15 years now. He's literally a neighbor of mine. Not not, not anymore because he's at Duke Rufus over in Milwaukee. But he lives five minutes from my house. We both came up through the amateur ranks together. And um, I literally, literally um, have seen the worst of the worst at all. But I'm, I'm blessed that I'm not. I've never been um, addicted to any substance. But I know how hard it is. I've been, you know, I've had, I've been. Jared is like a brother to me, you know, he's like a little brother. Um, so I I know how hard that is on the family. I know how hard that is. So being clean for four years, I just want you to know I'm proud of you, man. And, well, and can we talk about that really quick? Because Jared, uh, I, I spoke with Jared. He's going to be coming on Pure Evil MMA in the next couple of weeks to talk about it. Because I told him, I was like, man, you've been on Ariel's show. You've been on this show, that show. You've, you've had Octagon interviews. But no one's really actually gone in depth. I don't feel like anyone can actually relate to that has been through it that would actually understand and you seeing that struggle that went on with him man i mean what was that like as a friend watching him go through that to see where he is now man, i spent a christmas eve jared will confirm this i spent a christmas eve looking for him in uh, motels in queens um he was getting high no one knew where he was about five six i think it was maybe even longer i i, I don't remember the so it, it was really heartbreaking because i knew how talented this kid was and mind you this was before he was in the ufc i I uh, I, I love Jared again, like he was a blood brother, and um, to wa watch him going through that really, you know, was really hurtful. So anytime someone I know, like you just mentioned, is clean, I, I people to downplay that, like you know, and to me, my my struggles and what I'm dealing with and my battles are so so minimal compared to something like that, man. Because trust me, I've seen it firsthand. So yeah, he's got an interesting story, man, and I'm I'm looking forward to the interview he does with you guys. All right, so let's move forward a little bit. Can you bring us through what was going on in your life before all this happened? Uh, what, what, where were you at when this happened? I was, um, I was just, you know, regular living my life with my family in my house, living in Queens. It just happened overnight, man. One day, I was, um, I actually wasn't home, and somebody, you know, cops knocked on my door and uh, told my girl just left the card, and you know, it was totally nonchalant. Anyone who's ever dealt with uh, the criminal justice system knows that when they come looking for you, you know, they don't come barging in with bazookas and, and Uzis and, and making it obvious. They make it look, look very casual, like, oh, it's no big deal. You know, yeah, just have them give us a quick call, blah, blah. So I, I wasn't home. I was training, I think. Uh, I, you know, I'd be lying if I told you exactly where I was because I don't remember. But I remember just my girl calling me and saying, hey, is everything all right? And I said, yeah, everything's fine. Why? She's like, um, they left a card for you. I think a detective came here or something looking for you. So I was like, oh, all right. I, I was curious at first, you know, and I gave him a call right away. And, um, you know, again, they didn't tell me over the phone, you know, what the charges were. They they, they totally downplayed it, just said they didn't need to talk to me. That they thought it was a misunderstanding, but, you know, they needed me to clear up the ways. And, I, you know, I had nothing to hide. So I said, yeah, absolutely. I'll come down, man. 
So that's the first thing. The first misconception that the media tries to say is that, you know, the headlines of Sergio De Silva, uh, you know, got arrested. They went to his house and they make it look into this whole job. No, I turned myself in. So I, I was the one that went in to speak to them. Had I been, you know, I don't want to get into full details of the case. Of course but not. Had I been not. hiding something, who no one turns themselves in on a serious charge yeah. like that. You know, when I went to trial, you know, they, 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 I had a plea offer, but, offer, but when I went to trial, man, I fought at 20. I was looking at 25 years. Yeah. Someone who's someone who's looking at 25 years does not just show, go into the precinct voluntarily. No, it, it's so scary, man. And and everyone that's listening to the show right now knows exactly what happened. They know all the details. But I think the saddest part about it is, like, even you know, the fighter and the kid did like a little segment on it. They were talking about you. And they were saying this and saying that. But once all this died down and it came out that you were innocent, that you're a free man, you don't see any of those headlines. Like right now, I'll show you guys that are watching the video cast. And if you're watching the, or listening to the podcast right now, go check out the video cast because you don't see a single headline talking about what actually happened when the case was resolved. So what what happened? How, how was this case resolved? How are you found innocent? So they didn't. That, that's funny because I made a post like right after it happened. Was that I was getting I was getting tons of messages and even you know a couple of people who were on the trial and they were sending me messages and they were just sending me encouraging mess all that not one article man not one article came out with the acquittal and the robbery in the first degree not one article came out saying you know I uh, what what details of the case leading up to the trial leading up to everything the headlines were monstrous. TMZ, um, New York Post, everywhere. Everything, everything. I'm telling you, as soon as soon as they saw that I wasn't going to jail, I'm telling you, every day, that's my attorney, every day in the courthouse, every day outside my house, every day, wherever I went, I had TMZ or, or the Post, Daily, whatever it is, asking me, following me, taking pictures, my family, my kids. As soon as that, if it was over, not a, not a soul, not no one, not not one time did they call me and say, "Hey, you know, we're happy for you." I, I think there was actually a negative call. I think they might have even don't call me on this, but if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, I think my attorney even told me that they called him, and when he told them what, that I wasn't going to jail, they kind of were like, "Really?" And they like they couldn't believe it, and that's it. They stopped calling. That says so much about the culture that we're living in. Like people like to live vicariously. Like there's a tool song. Like we, we literally like to live vicariously through others, seeing other people suffer, seeing other people go through this. And for somebody that you must have felt so alone going through this. So tell us who was there to support you because you know, I, I, I've been working with uh, Damien and Shaky. Everybody knows here on Pure Evil MMA, and uh, I'm very familiar with your case and. Uh, you know, John Gotti the Third just fought at CES, which is how we really met. And I, you can see it if you just Google your name. John Gotti Jr. was there to support you. How did that come into play? When did that happen? What did that mean to you? What did he say to you? What was that like? Uh, first and foremost, you know, um, the, the whole, the entire Gotti family has been really supportive with me from the day one. Um, without going into much details, because, you know, there's private conversations. He's always been john Gotti jr um the third first of all john Gotti the third that's his son junior son and i'm good friends with him i've been training with him for a very long time and um not to take away his shine from his amazing performance um at ces i was there to support him support his family because you know what 
when shit hit the fan and everyone turned their back on me, the Gotti's was one of the first people that stuck by me from the beginning all the way to the end. And I know it's, it's easy to say that, but if I needed someone to talk to, if I had any question, unfortunately, his family um, dealt with a lot of this the stuff in the criminal justice system, a lot of things with the government. And, you know, sometimes it's, 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 you need somebody like that to speak to, somebody who's been through the system. And it's not something I'm proud of to say, oh, I went through the system or whatnot. But he, know, he knows, you know what I'm saying, when he, when Junior went, was incarcerated, his son, the, uh, John Gotti III, who I'm friends with, he was my son's age. That was the first thing wow. he brought up to me, was like, listen, you know, he taught me, like, listen, kid, I know, I, I know, I know you're a great father. I know you have a son that was John's age when I went incarcerated, and I know how it's not easy on you. And if you just need to talk, I, I called him a lot throughout my trial. Um, you know, he he took it upon himself to come and visit me during the trial. He sat there, he listened, any questions I had, um, and, and they're just great people, man. I don't give a shit what anyone has to say about them, about whatever people see in the media or in the newspaper or on TV, whatever it is, those are people that, you know, whenever, anytime, even before my court case, you know, Johnny was a great kid. He's going to be an amazing, amazing, amazing MMA fighter. And we're, we're going to get into that. We're definitely going to get into that in a minute for sure. Yeah. And um, like I said, he was just a friend to me, man. He's, he offered me advice. He offered me, I, I think I met, I met with him a couple of times. Before I had questions about documents in the case, about um, language. You know, my, my attorney, David Fish, who you probably know, yeah. you know, he also manages a lot of MMA fighters. You know, he was phenomenal. I mean, that guy, Fish saved my life. And, you know, sometimes I didn't want to bother him. He has his own thing. So I, I, I needed to, you know, I was at the gym and I'd ask John, you know, what does this mean? Or, or, or what, what should I expect here? Or what should I? And he was there, man. He was there for me. And I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm always going to be there for them, you know? So, listen, man, b before we move on to CES and everything, what, what, do you feel like you're living in the shadow of that headline because nobody really knows what the verdict was? Or, like, how, how are you feeling? What's your day-to-day -day life like? Like, do you really feel like you're living in the shadow? Were people coming up to you at this event and saying anything to you? Or what has life been like after all this has been resolved? <laughs> Because of the type of uh, accusation it was, because it wasn't anything like, you know, it wasn't like, thank God, it was, you know, it wasn't anything like uh, where people, what's the word I'm looking to say? Um, it, it's not like people were are judging me other than people who don't know me or, you know, internet tough guys who are making, every now and then I'll get a, a troll here and there, which I actually miss my trolls. I haven't got a troll in a long time. Um <laughs> Uh, people are actually, you know, they're actually, I feel like they kind of know a little bit about the system and how sometimes it can be corrupt. And uh, I feel like they, they actually are happy to see me not incarcerated, man. And I don't know if they're lying to me or they're just acting like that now after the case. But people are like, they kind of like, you know, feel like they, they're cheering me on. They're, they want to see me turn around. They want to see me do well and pick myself up. And that's exactly what I'm doing. So what was your family thinking? I mean, when you, when you're in that position, you got a, you got a you got a a family at home. What what was that like, man? And like when you get older, and your daughter gets older, right? You have a little girl. I have a daughter. Yeah, she's a pretty chill. She's a teenager, man. She's thirteen. She's oh, going yeah. to high school actually. And I got a son who's um, nine years old. And the thing is, the toughest thing for them is that because you know I'm a professional MMA fighter, and because I fought in Bellator. Um, 
a lot of the kids in the neighborhood, a lot of his, their friends know me. So a lot of times, you know, they Google you and they see it. So a couple of times, you know, uh, kids, little kids ask my son. It's hard to explain to an eight-year-old what you're going through, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, their friends brought it up. And it is what it is, man. During the whole trial, I, I walked out of my house with my head up. I knew I was going to beat it. I knew I knew at the end I was going to be, you know, the right thing was going to happen. So I, I, I don't care. I, I have my family. I have my close friends. I have the people who support me. And to me, that's what matters. I think beforehand, before I went through this, I think I kind of cared too much about people who were irrelevant in my life, about what they thought. And then after I went through this, it was kind of like a test. And it showed me a lot that, you know, people who, who, who matter, they don't give a shit. Now, let, let me ask you this one last thing before we move forward. What would your life be like if they didn't find you innocent and you had to sit there knowing that you didn't do it? I mean, what do you think your life would be like at this point if what happened didn't happen? Where would you be right now this second? How how would your life be and how would you be taking that? Listen, man, they looked at me in in my eye and told me that if I took this case to trial, I could face a max of 25. Not a lot of people, not a lot of people would take that to trial um who knows where i'd be right now i could have been incarcerated for a long time so i don't want to think about that it's behind me of course not. it's oh it's over with and um, i'm just trying to move on, move forward you know what do you want people to recognize you as if you could take this way like what kind of a person are you that you should be defined as that you know if, if we could take this headline away and move past that and obviously, you've been working towards that every day, even before. But I'm sure being an MMA fighter and being wrapped up in this case didn't make it look good. So what does that say? Let me ask you this. What does it say about MMA fighters? Like, do you think that you being a fighter made it look even worse? Do you think that? Yeah, Last question. I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The mainstream media try to paint it out as... You could even just see on the headlines, the pictures they post would was like Wayne's picture where I'm like sucked out and miserable and, you know, I had a mohawk and I look mean and angry. No one spoke about all the other things that I do for the community. I volunteer, I coach seven, not one, not two, not three, not four, not seven different teams for wow. um, for the youth. I, uh, I've i been coaching for five years now. Not only my kids, but other kids. I've coached teams that I don't even have kids on. I've been around the community for a long time. I have a, you know, a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. Uh, people don't even know I'm college educated. I've, you know, I've worked for, a, a, you know, a really high-end celebrity, uh, James Gambolfini, oh, wow. The Sopranos. Yeah, I lived in, I lived in his house. Um, I worked for him for ten years. Tell us you about that really quick, Sergio. You you can't just bring that up and not expect our listeners to be like, tell us more, tell us more. What? How, explain that. What? Explain that. <laughs> yeah, man, out of, fresh out of high school, my mom used to work for his ex-wife. One thing led to another. I started, you know, I, I, I've known his son, Michael, since he was two years old. I pretty much raised his son. And uh, Ooh, I, his I, son's I, actually going to be in, yeah, like, a remake yeah. movie of The Sopranos, right? Or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's on the prequel. Wow. Actually, it's the, the before The Sopranos, so um, he's doing a great job. Mikey's been acting since he was two years old, man. I've watched it firsthand. He's gonna be amazing as well, but you don't you don't work for a person like that for ten years if you're not a good person. You know what I'm saying? I li- I literally lived in his house, inside his house. I had my own room. Um, I've been through a lot. I've, my life's been really interesting. I you know I'm relatively young, in my early thirties, and um, I've been I've I've had a, a really really 
really good life. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna lie, man. I've met some really great people along the way, and um, you know, go, to going back back on your question is that you know you don't you don't work for somebody like that for that amount of time. Oh yeah. If you're not a person of a good character, you know. A hundred percent. So let's fast forward a little bit now that you call everybody up. They're familiar with you. CES 56, man. Seeing John Gotti the third go in there. What were you thinking was going to happen in this fight? Because I, I got the pleasure of being with this coach after the fight. And we had about a two-hour talk. We had dinner together. We spoke about what they were preparing for, what it was like, the media obligations, what they were trying to avoid. What did you personally think was going to happen in that fight? And uh, what did you see in that fight that uh, impressed you? I knew he was gonna. I swear, I know it's easier said than I knew he was gonna knock the kid out. Did I think he was gonna slam him, knock him out? No, absolutely not. Um, we trained a lot. I trained. I trained with him a lot. You know, the weeks leading up to the fight, he felt amazing. He was strong. He was focused. He was. He was sharp. He was. Um, the kid is very dedicated. The kid is very dedicated. He loves the sport. He trains really hard. He's a great kid, man. He was raised. His parents did a phenomenal job. That's what I heard too. Like he doesn't oh, hang out man. with many people. He'll go to the movies by himself. Like, he's listen, very... Listen. Listen to when I say this, okay? I don't give a shit if he's hearing me, if he's not listening, whoever's going to listen to this. That's a good kid. And a lot of people are talking shit because they don't... They haven't seen him yet. Everybody wants to talk about the guys. At the end of the day, everybody wants to talk about, oh, but he hasn't really been to... Kid has four fights. Who... who who's fighting other than... I mean, who... Like, like what do they... Who do they want him to fight? A guy in the UFC? Two fights in? Three fights in, he's fighting guys where he's supposed to be fighting. Guys yeah. with two fights, three fights, four fights. I'm telling you, a lot of people are going to be in for a rude awakening. He's the real deal. I wouldn't be vouching for him. I have a rep. I've been in the game for a long time. I wouldn't be vouching for John. I have no vested interest. I'm real as it gets. I'm not going to say somebody's the real deal if they're not. I would say, yeah, he's a good fighter, and that's it. I'd leave it at that. Mark my words. The kid's going to be in the UFC. He's a champion. Um, God willing, there's no serious injury because in the sport you never know mark my words you're going to go back to this interview and you're going to say oh shit I remember when Serge told me about it right now today obviously everyone even myself I've had over 20 fights between pro and amateur I'm still learning he's still learning he's still growing he's young to the sport so much more he's going to learn he's dedicated he's hungry he listens he doesn't question um, not to do my own home I'm a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Anytime we do things on the ground, this kid picks it up fast. He listens. He picks it up fast. And I'm very excited to see where he's going to go. And to go back to your question, I knew he was going to knock this kid out. Um, I didn't expect it to be a slam. I thought he was going to put hands on him. He has really good, sharp hands. He has a lot of power. I've seen him spar a lot of times. You know, I'm in the gym with him all the time. And um, Derek Pence is doing a phenomenal job. Ryan LaFleur, Greg DiPasquale, a long guy on MMA. And um, he's doing a really good job. And when his grappling catches up to his striking, because I think his striking is above it, he's going to be a problem. And the, and the, the best part about it, he's not rushing. That's the biggest mistake I see a lot of young fighters doing. They rush. They want to be in the UFC tomorrow. He's not doing that, man. He's, he's taking it one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. That's scary, man. That's scary with a young, hungry kid like him. Man, what, what would you like to see him do next? Because obviously there's so many people out there that want to see him fight Jesse James Kozakowski. I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to get angry that I'm bringing this up. Listen, do you think this fight is ever going to happen? Because I know a ton of people that want to see it happen.
But if you look at Jesse's fight and look at John's fight, know, what would you think would have happened that night if those two fought on that night? I know that fight is going to happen. Um, it's a matter of time. I think that kid Jesse is um, yeah, he's a tough kid. He's hungry too. But um, again, I'm biased. Johnny's my boy. Um, he had a tough fight. Jesse had a tough fight at CES. I was there. I watched it. I had my eye on it because... Um, I know he fought one of my other teammates before. Um, I think that fight is going to happen when the fight is supposed to happen. And um, I'll tell you what, Johnny's not shying away from any fight, but he's also not stupid. He's going to take the fight when it's supposed to take I, the fight. 100%. You're right on the money with that. You're right on the money with that. That, that fight's going to come whether it's a year from now, two years from now. Right now, like you said, John's doing the right thing, following the, the, the path that he's, he should be on. But uh, the tension is building, man. There's no way I, this could slip by us in the next two years before they go on to the next level of mixed martial arts. I know so many people that want to see it. I hope that it happens. But listen, man, a name like John, there's only a matter of time before Dana White has his eye on him. But what makes me nervous, there's people like ESPN, the media obligation. I, I spoke with this coach about it. He's like, I want to take things slow. Just because he has this name doesn't mean anything. It, it, we want him to go along with his fight career like anyone else would go along with his fight career. Would John, you agree? John, John has, is building his own legacy. He's paving his own way. He doesn't even say, he doesn't even talk about it. You know, obviously the name is there. He can't shy away. I'm sure he's proud of it. This is his grandfather's name, his father's name, and he's going to make his family proud and his family happy. But John is going to make, John is going to be his own man. He's going to make his own way and he's going to make a big wave like I said, God willing, no, no injury. He's going to make his, his own name in uh, mixed martial arts. I've seen a lot of guys. I, I have a good eye for this stuff. I promise you, John, he's going to take it as far as the game, as far as you can take it in the game. And I, I'm just glad and I'm honored to be a part of it, to be his training partner, to be around, to see that. I love seeing people who put in hard work be rewarded. And he I, looks like, like he's said, on another level. He really looks like he's on, like he shouldn't even be in CES. He looks like he's on a completely different level than uh, where a lot of people would would expect somebody. That's 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 why a lot of guys are gonna get beat by John because what they what people look. Let's get the elephant out of the room. People are talking shit and they're saying because of his name he's getting fed easier fights, and that's not the case. He's not. He fought a guy. This guy he just fought was what three and two or two. And, uh, how many fights did this guy have? Uh, he. I, I think he had about five to six fights, something like that. Okay, how many fights does John have? Three. Only three fights. Oh. So who was he supposed to be fighting? Exactly. And he looked like somebody, like, listen, I'm friends with Nick Newell. I, I know Nick Newell. He, he lives about a mile away from me right Nick's now. My boy, but look, if you look him. at Nick Newell and the person that he fought, and I had his opponent on my show, much respect, but his, his opponent's record compared to people that John's fighting is... Uh, yeah, look, Nick, Nick's my boy too. I trained with Nick 10 years ago. I knew Nick when he was, I want to say blue belt, purple, I don't know. Um, Nick is super underrated, too, super tough. People don't have no idea. He's another guy. Um, but, yeah, like you said, he's um, – John is fighting who he's supposed to be fighting. People keep sleeping on him. Keep talking shit and keep sleeping on him. He's going to keep knocking guys out. That's what's going to happen. I, I, I'm just – I mean, I probably shouldn't even be saying this because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be scaring guys away, but I'm giving them the blueprint. Keep sleeping on him. Keep thinking that he's old, he's getting these fights because of his name, blah blah blah, and all that. And you're gonna get and you're gonna wake up looking at the ceiling. 
We just hit the 35 minute mark of this interview. So we got five minutes left. I got to ask you this, man. Would you like to see John in the next year or, or year and a half enter Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series? Or would you like to see him get a shot in the UFC? Because there's so many people that try to steer away from Bellator from this reason or that reason. If you could be his coach and you could step in, what would you? What path would you want him to go on? We talk about it all the time, man. I mean, we don't have to make believe because this is the conversation him and I. I mean, we, we literally do have these conversations. Well, the path that I would want to see him go on. Um, he's a smart kid, and I think that this sport is very unforgiving. You're two, one or two or three so fights away from from being irrelevant. Um, I think he needs to go in the path where he's going to be the most successful, um, both in his career and financially. So I think. I mean, people sleep on. I've had the pleasure of fighting two times in Bellator, and I'll tell you what, um, Scott Coker's doing a phenomenal job since taking over a few years ago. I think that um, it's going to be a negotiation thing, and when the time comes, they're going to make the right decision. But don't sleep on Bellator, especially at the 170 division. Are you kidding me? Bellator has some studs. You're not going to go to Bellator and think you're fighting bums. So either way, he's going to fight tough competition, and I think that financially he should go where was better. If, if Bellator makes the right, the right the right offer why not go to Bellator if, if the UFC makes the right offer go, go to the UFC but um, he, he'll he either contender series or if he goes straight into the UFC you know I, I wouldn't like to see him go you know tomorrow I think like you said I think a year and a half I think about I think he's got about three four maybe pushing the five fights with him that he can probably do in the next year and a half and then I would like to see him see him up there but he knows that I don't got to tell him that he's a smart kid if exactly this was if this was 10 years ago, I wouldn't be surprised if Dana White tried reaching out to uh, to John III and asked him to go on uh, a season of Ultimate Fighter. But at the same time, as much as I think that would be cool and entertaining, I don't think something like that or Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series would be the right path for him right now, where he is right now. I would like to see him get a couple more fights and, and just keep it easy. And I think CES is a great promotion. They're on UFC Fight Pass. I think where he's at right now, He's uh, the coaches and, and everyone that's guiding his career is, is right on point. They're not pushing him too much. They're not asking too much from him. They're just guiding through, and it, it, it's perfect. It couldn't be any more perfect right now. I, I couldn't agree with you. You just hit the nail on the head. Exactly what you said. I think CES, I've had the pleasure of fighting him when they came to New York. Jimmy Birchfield and his uh, father do an amazing job. Pat Sullivan do a great job. Um, he, I think John is at, at the right. There's other really great uh, regional promotions, uh, CFFC, which I fought for a long mm. time. They do a phenomenal job as well. I think he's on the exact path where he needs to be right now. Kid has four fights. He doesn't need. He took a grappling super fight, I think, about a year ago. Good. Um, he's sparring with the right guys. His coaches are doing the right thing. I think he's exactly where he did. Put it this way, they surrounded him with the exact tools he needs to be the most successful. The rest is history. I think I think, I think he's on the right path, and I, I, I think he's going to do a great job. The last three minutes of this interview, we have to ask, man, what is next for you? What do, what do we got in store for Sergio De Silva and the rest of 2019 going to 2020? What can we expect from you? Where do you see your career, your future going from here on out? Uh, I got a super fight for Rise Invitational in New York at the Westbury. Wow. Um, they do a phenomenal job. That's going to be uh, June 21st. I'm uh, doing a grappling super fight with an Eddie Bravo guy, Prodigy, who just opened the gym up in New York City. This kid is just a pure grappler. He's been grappling uh, for a long time. So I, I want to get back into that. It's not MMA, so I got back into that first. 
I'm, you know, I'm a little bit out of shape. I'm not a little. I got really out of shape with everything going on. So um, I wanted to do that, see how I feel, and then I'm definitely making a, a comeback for MMA. I got a lot of people to prove wrong, and um, you know that's where I know where I belong, and and make one more run at this. You know, uh, that's exactly what I'm gonna do. If I could get a fight, or maybe even two, by the end of the year, and uh, we'll go from there. You know, one thing at a time. Did being at CES kind of give you the itch again? Did you want to get back in there? Did you wish? You were fighting that night. What, what was that like sitting there? Look, look, I didn't want to make it about me. I had a lot of people asking me about that. I'm fortunate. CES has asked me if I'd come, you know, if I'd come back and fight for them. I'd love to do that. CFFC as well. Um, a couple of other promotions. Literally, as soon as I finished with my case, were, were hitting me up. I think, um, I think I'm always a draw. People who know me know I'm always going to bring it. Um, I come out, I fight. And I think that, yeah, I did get the itch watching it, but I, that, that night was for John. I wanted to support his family. I wanted to support him. So it was about him and not myself. So I didn't want to get into a lot of details about that. But, yeah, definitely you guys are going to see me coming back. And do you, do you think you're going to fight this year? Do you think you're going to get in by, you know, December of 2019? Yeah, yeah I already got some stuff in the works that, it, you know, my biggest thing now is getting in, in shape. Once I feel like I'm in shape, uh, yeah, I'm that, yeah, I'm 90% fighting this year. Before we let you go, what is one piece of advice that you can give to anybody going through a hard time where they really feel like life's got them cornered once again, they feel like there's no way out, they feel like there's nothing that they can do within their power to escape the situation that they're in? What's something that you can give to them for you know uh, a nail of strength? What could you give to them? Don't stop believing. Um, first thing that that the first thing that went out the window when everything happened to me was the faith I stopped I was just I gave up I didn't want to leave my house I was depressed and um, you know I had very good uh, family support and people who believed in me and didn't stop fighting for me so don't stop fighting if you hear me out right now I don't know what it is you're going through whatever it is if you want to hit me up on social media if you just want to talk Trust me, man, I was in the trenches. I was at the low, the low, 25 years. I got an eight-year-old son and a 13-year-old daughter. I was in the, my daughter, by the time I came out, had I got the match, was 38 years old. She would have had kids, you know? Uh, my son would have been done with high school. My daughter would have been done with high school and college. And um, I never stopped fighting. I never stopped believing. I kept fighting. And, you know, always, always look ahead. Always look ahead. You can be down. Always look up, and uh, that's the advice I give everyone. Last minute of this interview, when, when you're going, when you're dealing with things that are pretty much spilt milk in life, where it's like you step in dog shit and you're screaming, or your boss is yelling at you, or your daughter's screaming, you're getting a little annoyed. I mean, what's been the biggest change between five years ago and today of like where you are mentally and how you view things? What's been the biggest change? Like, do you really count your blessings now, or what's been for the biggest sure, change? For sure, for sure. Just being outside, man, and just being appreciative. Every day I wake up, I kiss my girl, I kiss my kids, and um, just appreciating, appreciating, man, just, be, just being a free person. Sometimes we take that for granted. And um, just being able to go outside when you want to, being able to shower when you want to, not having to be told what to do. I went through this case for two years almost, man. Um, August would make two years that I, from the day it happened to till till uh till it was over it was almost two years every every month every week going into court and i'm um, just not having to deal with that stuff anymore i think that uh just being grateful for every little thing and last but not least i just want to pay respects uh yesterday was 17 years 
that John Gotti Sr. has passed away. So I just want to give uh, 10 seconds of respect uh, in silence really quick. Last but not least, man, you want to give out your social media, your sponsors, shout-outs, anything at all. The floor is now all yours. Thank you. I really appreciate it. First and foremost, I want to thank you for taking the time out to doing this interview, having me on your show. Um, I appreciate everyone who listened and uh, got to know a little bit about what's been going on with me. My social media is at the savage 125 so it's T-H-E-S-A-V-A-G-E-125. Um, I'm on, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, all that good stuff. And um, shout out to the guys at my gym, Long Island MMA, and uh, Sitan Gym in Queens. Um, shout out to the Gotti family for, you know, sticking by me. Shout out to my wife, to my kids, and uh, my family, and those people who truly, genuinely believed in me and stuck by me. To my lawyer, David Fish, I can't. I'm gonna die saying I love you, man. Um, also a big shout I didn't bring them up but the guys from Tiger Showman man all Ooh. those guys top notch from beginning I've trained with those guys for years now I've, you know, Shane Burgos Jamie Rivera all those guys over there all those guys Shane, Shane man Shane and his entire family Shane mm. Burgos always always looking out for me um, you know those guys always Tiger himself uh, Bradley Desir always having their gym doors open for me you know those guys have phenomenal phenomenal stable of talent that's coming up that people don't even know and um, not one time those guys wanted to cut ties with me with everything i was going no they would tell me when are you going to come back Serge? when are you going to come train with us so i cannot forget those tiger showman guys i don't give a shit what people say one about of the them. most oldest and respected gyms that is in the mma scene yeah people you know those guys have always kept their doors open to me so shout outs to them Thank you, Sergio, so much. I hope to catch up with you uh, at, at the next CES event. It's going to be awesome. We'll go to the after party. And I want to thank you so much for joining us here on Pure Evil on May. Last but not least, can you just say, hey, guys, this is Sergio De Silva, and you're listening to Pure Evil MMA? Hey, guys, it's Sergio the Savage De Silva, and you're listening to Pure Evil MMA. Thanks, boss. I'll catch up with you in a minute. All right, my man. Thank you. God bless. Ciao. How about that interview? One of the standout interviews of 2019, guys, if you guys remember the entire story of Sergio De Silva, I ran into him. I knew exactly who he was. I asked him immediately, come on my show, man. I got so many listeners on the audio podcast, on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, that would love to hear from you. That interview couldn't have gone any more perfect. Hearing his story, what he's been through. Imagine that. Imagine facing 25 years for something that you didn't do. Go Google his name. You won't see him, uh, a single headline, saying that they found him innocent. You'll see all these guilty headlines. TMZ, New York Post, The Fighter and the Kid. No one's talking about him being found innocent. What does that say about our generation and media and social media this day and age? It's awful. And I feel that struggle every day. I could report the most positive news here on this podcast. People don't care unless somebody dies, someone's arrested, somebody's beaten. Some, like, it's, it's awful. That's what media is nowadays. And the guys that are head honchos, they know that. And they feed on that. And they push that. They, they, they give people deadlines to cover that. But if they're found innocent, you're not going to get many clicks, which is awful.
It's sad. Which is why we needed to clear the air today. Which is why this podcast is titled Sergio Da Silva, Not Pure Evil, but on Pure Evil MMA. Couldn't have gone any more perfect. How about that? Make sure to give him a follow on his social media pages. Support this guy after everything that he's been through. Having children, could you imagine being the daughter or son of somebody facing that, knowing that their father is not like that? This guy, he, he would, Sergio was just saying he coaches baseball teams in his local area. No one talks about that. They talk about these false accusations. Here in America, aren't we innocent until proven guilty? Why is it that we're thrown under the bus? Why is it that? Why is it that way? It's messed up. It's so messed up. Even the gangster movies that are out there. You look at all the gangster movies. People only care about the gangster movies that are going through killings. And based on a true story, this guy gets killed, this guy gets killed. But what about a Bronx Tale? Bronx Tale's a gangster movie that doesn't focus on killing. Well, there, there are killings in it. But it focuses more on a lesson. Why is it the fifth-ranked mobster movie out there? When it should be top two, top three. Nobody really considers a Bronx Tale. It just shows you. And like I brought up earlier in the, in the, in the podcast. I listen to Tool. I'm a big fan of Tool. It changed a lot of the way I, I, I view things in my life. Nothing a little acid or couldn't help but uh, open your mind up to what's going on around you, how people really view the world, what people really obsess over. And it's sad. They like living vicariously through other people, other situations, but don't want that to happen in their life. Oh, God forbid. It's just crazy. And that's why we had Sergio De Silva on today's show. Hope we clear up the air for everybody. Hope we give you a taste of who he really is inside. Can you tell that is a good person? Can you picture, listen to listen to that interview? And if you didn't know anything about his past, would you think that he robbed a bank? Would you think that he stood on the counter of a bank pointing a gun, saying that he would kill everybody? Come on. Evil Eye of the Week goes to everybody that's hating. Evil Eye of the Week goes to everybody that judges stereotypes him being an mma fighter i thought that was the best question i could have asked i don't write down any of the questions beforehand i do this naturally him being an mma what does that say him being an mma fighter and him even saying it look they made it look even more worse than it really was because i'm an mma fighter imagine if he was an mlb athlete imagine if he was in the nhl nfl wouldn't look that bad but oh he's a fighter Oh, he must be aggressive. He must be angry. He must have some demons. Not the truth. It's just not the truth. And it's very sad. And you would think by 2019, we'd be able to change that. Think about how many people are inspired. That's why I love this. I wake up every day. I see these guys' battles and, and mixed martial arts. So relatable to our everyday battles. They're going through the same thing we're going through. They are sleeping on the same pillows we're sleeping on. They rest their head every night just like we do. But yet, but yet, you think of athletes, you think of actors, you think of musicians as these special, mystical creatures. They're just like me and you. They are me and you. But they follow their dreams, they stay consistent, they kept positive. And that is one of the most positive stories you will ever hear in mixed martial arts. So I want to thank Sergio with the Silva. I want to thank all you guys for tuning in today on Pure Evil MMA. Episode, I mean, we're on episode number what, 226 now? Wow. My birth, I'm, yo, guys, I'm going to be 30 in just a couple of days. 
I'm nervous. I'm going through the emotions. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm feeling it, man. So uh, I want to thank everybody that's been supporting Period Blonde. We're going on six years here, guys. Six years. Period Blonde Built up an amazing show. Trending on Apple iTunes. If you are new to the show, subscribe down below here on Apple iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, Periscope, Facebook, wherever you're tuning in. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at PureEvilMMA underscore. That's P-U-R-E-E-V-I-L-M-M-A underscore for all the third graders out there. Also on Twitter at Evil Underdash Echo. That's E-V-I-L underscore E-C-C-O. And that does it for me, guys. I'm Evil Ed from PureEvilMMA. PureEvilMMA.com where you can find all the latest MMA news, interviews, updates, and results. Remember, without evil, there's no purity.